Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James. Today I'm joined by Dr. Sina Kadiri. Welcome to the show, Sina. Hi, James. Thanks so much for joining me. I was really interested in a publication you put out recently in the Future Healthcare Journal, which is all about physician associates and how we can help train doctors in the 21st century. Can I ask where your interest in physician associates, where you first came across us and where this publication sort of came about to start? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So when I first came across physician associates was probably when I started foundation training. So in, throughout medical school, I was kind of blissfully unaware in a way. Um, no one had really told me or kind of informed me exactly what a physician associate was. And I set foot on on the wards as an F1. And then it suddenly dawned on me that there was this uh, job out there, people called physician associates who were very helpful on the wards. Um, and that was my first kind of interface with physician associates at that point in time. And then gradually, as I did my foundation jobs, then went into core medical training, I got to know more and more physician associates, came to know about how they worked and what kinds of things they could do. And in the different specialties, you know, what unique skills that they could bring. So, um, for example, in gastroenterology, we had a physician associate who helped with acidic taps and acidic drains. And what drove me to do my publication was essentially, I mean, there was a there was a call out by the RCP for the what was called the Teal Essay Prize, which essentially they they gave the title, you know, physician associates, friend or foe. I applied to to write the essay and I spent a good amount of time researching and learning up and swatting up on everything that I could think about um, and everything which was necessary to know about physician associates. And then it very naturally, organically, I think I, I started writing it. Um, and it wasn't a very long piece. I think eventually it ended up being around, you know, about 1,500 words and I cut it down to about 1,000. So in the end, it was, I just wanted it to be quite a succinct piece about how physician associates have integrated so far within the United Kingdom and some putting out some of the, I suppose, pressure points and some of the contemporary issues uh, which physicians and physician associates face when dealing with each other, I suppose, in that sense. Interesting title, friend or foe. <laughs> certainly there have, if you look online, and I try not to, there's certainly been a few comments that make me a little bit upset when you read um, some of the negative mm. stories. I think things have changed a lot over four or five years um, as people have met more PAs and we've worked closer together. I think the, the attitude and culture is changing. I mean, I personally come down on the the side of friends obviously <laughs> i want to be politically correct here of course um but in from a kind of hu humanitarian perspective or just kind of thinking for the best of humanity the nhs is in a point of diff difficulty at the moment um it's never been under this kind of pressure and if we start thinking of healthcare professionals who work closely with us as foes then that is just not a very productive way to to engage with an allied healthcare professional. Um, and I think we need to work with each other as friends. So um, of course there would be some points of discussion and some you know, conversations to be had about how physician associates work with doctors. Um, but fundamentally, I think it should be based on the principles of mutual friendship and there shouldn't be any culture of malign intent, for example, or undermining that kind of stuff should not really exist. I feel that 
that's kind of my personal opinion on on the matter really um, and i've tried to emphasize that in my writing as well and hopefully give a more balanced viewpoint and just kind of give both sides of the arguments you know if there is an argument in that respect absolutely i'm with you collaboration at the end of the day rather than competition obviously it can be difficult for doctors and pas who might be in training on the same departments and the same specialties might be competing for the same opportunities I guess that's one of the pinch points that you were alluding to. It it does hinge on the quality of the mentor who you have. If it's ward-based education that you're talking about, you know, learning skills on the job, it really does depend on who your your mentor is, who who the consultant figure there is, for example, or it could be a, a senior physician associate. So someone who engages in teaching in a positive, um, productive manner and also gives you the opportunity to have um, as many teaching opportunities or learning opportunities as necessary in order to further the career which you want to have at the end of the day. And a lot of the time, especially as a junior doctor, I felt that you know, the, the service demands quite quite a fair bit and learning opportunities can get uh, placed under pressure a little bit. Not so much in that there's competition between physician associates or doctors, um, but more that the, the demands of the, the job as a junior doctor is that you're kind of flung in several different places you're covering a night shift here then you're going back on days um and then you've got a weekend shift and then that all kind of adds up and then you find out that over you know two months you haven't you've had maybe one or two you know solid learning opportunities during that time and if you had a bit more time a bit more protected time available you could have engaged in in kind of things which may be more useful to your career so i think those are kind of two key points on the fundamentals of good learning, good teaching opportunities in in a practical sense on the wards. I guess one of the main factors is balancing the opportunities that you want to learn and progress in your career versus the service provision that we all provide in the NHS. And when there are rotor gaps on top of that, it makes everything very difficult, doesn't it, for anybody to learn and progress? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the issue of rotor gaps is something very pertinent and on the, on the subject of rotor gaps i mean that's an area where there is some kind of conversation behind the scenes between uh, the bma and physician associate bodies with regards to at what you know effective role can physician associates play in the various kind of slots in the rotor um would they be senior decision makers would they be kind of more junior decision makers how would it how would it fit in and what kind of qualifications would they need to have to be able to make those decisions and i don't think we've got a firm enough structure there to understand like how they would fit in yet i guess one of the big unique selling points between a physician associate and a doctor is the fact that we don't rotate so we Mm -hmm. stay as permanent members in the department so i guess that's a big plus in terms of how we can help efficiency and productivity on the department and help with training for our doctor colleagues as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a real boon to patient care and kind of how the general ward operates. Someone who would be there kind of Monday to Friday, uh, who knows the patients on a daily basis is a real positive because a lot of the times these junior doctors are rotating from working in their specialty on the ward to doing, uh, say, an acute shift for a few days and then going on to nights where they may not, sometimes they may not be on their usual ward job for like one to two weeks, whereas the if there was a physician associate on that ward, they'd be there Monday to Friday in that specialty. They would know the patients inside out and it would facilitate, you know, things such as discharge, be more effective, you know, more 
just a greater understanding of what's happening with the with the patient and kind of liaising with other people who would facilitate you know discharge at the right place and times so there's definitely definitely a, a thing to be said about having that constant presence within one specialty which which doctors unfortunately in, in a lot of specialties don't routinely get in your publication one of the points that sort of stuck in my mind when i read it was around obviously at the moment physician associates are an unregulated profession mm-hmm. we know that's going to change in the very near future the general medical council are going to take over regulating physician associates so they'll be setting the standards for pa education and i guess revalidation and fitness to practice and all the kind of stuff that they do at the moment for, for doctors yeah there was a bit around i guess another potential pinch point of the cost of regulating pas and how mm. that shouldn't be a burden on existing mm. physicians from my perspective i would say that i suppose most doctors would if they found their gmc fees going up by 50 to 100 pounds um, at the end of the year and you know if there if there was a kind of economic burden on us i could imagine a few doctors being a bit unhappy about that naturally the question is whether the GMC can work out something where the cost burden would not fall on doctors, whether there could be some other source of the money, um, because they may get some kickback if doctors, you know, if, they, if, they, if they inform doctors that this is what's happening. Yeah, okay. It's really difficult to know which way the profession is going to evolve in, in that space and what the GMC will allow as well. That's true. Um and I think that's you're going to need to depend on strong leaders within the physician associate field, really. I know Kate Stroughton, the faculty president, she she's doing a great job at the moment and she's doing a lot of work to try and get prescribing rights through for physician associates. And I think we need you know strong vocal leaders within within the physician associate field in order to, to try to make sure that things progress in a fair way um, and in an open way. And that, you know, other allied healthcare professionals are aware of what you guys do and the, the exams and hurdles that you need to pass as well, because it's there's there's nothing worse than being kind of ignorant of what other healthcare professionals have to go through and not understanding. Um, and, you know, sometimes as doctors, we do, uh, we are guilty of focusing too much in our own field and not understanding, you know, the, the, the trials and tribulations of other healthcare professionals as well. So... So yeah, it's a, it's a developing thing really, isn't it? I suppose at the end of the day, and we, we all want to make sure that it progresses in the right way and that the GMC come to a kind of fair fair understanding of how it's going to work really. Absolutely. I think it will evolve in, in different ways, probably in different parts of the country until the GMC perhaps get a national standard and framework in place. Interestingly though, in... Um, in America, I was chatting to a couple of physician assistants over there. They, they there are quite a few of them who do specialise, and then they end up just just working in that specialty for you know the rest of their careers. There are quite a few more dermatology PAs in America compared to the number here in the UK, and I wonder if if their structure makes it easier in terms of doing qualifications after they graduate to allow them to specialise more effectively and to stay in that specialty. Uh, without being you know without moving from that from that perspective um mm. i don't know if that's that's an observation that you find here that a lot of physician associates are still quite generalized and you don't see many kind of 
specialty focused uh, physician associates. Um, yeah, certainly if you look at the faculty's census every year, uh, large, almost a third probably are in general practice and another quarter mm. are in acute medicine and in emergency urgent care. Mm. So they're quite general. Um, and then yeah. you probably have maybe just less than half of PAs that are into cardiothoracics or cardiology or peds or something more specific. There was a part of your publication when you were hinting around discussions that the BMA have had and votes that they've made about how they see physician associates. Um, mm. We're getting into some of the more thorny political issues, but wondered what you might want to say about that. Yeah, that's the whole issue of whether doctors are happy for physician associates to fulfil similar roles as them, the same capacity in, in a say, in a rotor structure, for example. Um, and some doctors are quite adamant that physician associates aren't trained to to the level that doctors would be to fulfil, for example, an SHO role um, in a hospital for example on an acute shift or something along those, uh, those those lines and then then that's when the kind of thorny issues come to pass and you get some kickback and discussions and things can get heated um i wasn't there at that conference that meeting but um so i was, I was just reporting on the the, the after effects and the, the documentation which came out from it um but my personal viewpoint on this is that we need to be more accepting that a physician associate who's qualified to, to to practice you know to certain standards and if that's recognized then they should be able to support us on you know on certain rotor rotor points or working for example potentially in the future uh, in a role quite similar to an SHO I mean advanced nurse practitioners do that uh, in quite a few hospitals where they will uh, work in quite intensive roles at night times and weekends and support medical staff and even sometimes helping with the learning of, of f1s and f2s um on the job uh, effectively so there yeah I, I don't think we're in a position really kind of given how you know the how much the nhs is in a position where it needs to consider how it needs to retain healthcare professionals retain doctors that we we need to make sure that um that wards can be run smoothly and effectively uh, and if there is a way for physician associates to to help us to facilitate patient care we need to be open to that basically i think i know back in 2019 the bma uh, took a sort of vote on this in their mm. forum and the junior doctors sort of actively opposed any medical associate professions being treated equally to them when it comes to the medical staffing rotors mm -hmm. and also passed another motion about postgraduate medical examinations being part to anybody other than doctors. I, I get a sense, and it's only anecdotal, that there are more people who are changing their minds and coming around mm. to the idea, yeah. especially perhaps post-pandemic recovery. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I ended off my, um, my publication. I kind of preluded that in a way. Um, I do think people will will change their minds on that. And you just need to see the rates at which F2 doctors are going into specialty training. It's just dropping off year after year. There are fewer of us kind of specialising and going into the, the route to become a consultant. Um, and we can't keep this same rigid stance that we don't accept that 
other professionals would be working alongside us in in, in that same manner anymore I don't think you know or you, you can't complain about staffing issues but at, at the same time say that you don't want position associates to even be considered to be working in a similar similar role do you see where where I'm coming from with that one so um so that's why I think that people will change their minds um and it's a matter of time um but I think we get we, we will get there eventually and we will have more constructive conversations in this regard hopefully I think you're right absolutely and it comes back to what we said earlier about we're here to collaborate we're here for patient care together mm. and not to compete I think there's a beautiful line in your publication that I just wanted to highlight and it says there appears to be a distinct line where physicians will oppose the growing autonomy of physician associates and establishing this boundary of practice will be a subject of significant debate in the years to come mm. that is very true <laughs> we'll see what happens watch that space <laughs> Yeah, absolutely yeah um we it, it's hard because we're kind of prophesizing what's going to happen from from this point and and I, the pandemic's completely thrown things you know a different light on things absolutely and whether doctors will come out of the pandemic with a a different focus and a more collaborative focus then you know i think that would be a positive thing absolutely and i think it's important for physician associates as well to remember that we are not doctors and we are not trying to be doctors. We are we should be proud of being PAs and being something independent and different to that. And our training doesn't necessarily have to be the exact same exam um, or yeah. the exact same pathway. We have nuances in our professional capabilities and the way we're trained and certain things about us that make us different yeah. and unique. And that's, you know, diversity is Absolutely. a strength. And I think... Uh, on that point, specific, uh, a bit more specifically, I suppose, in that being proud of the way that physician associates are do provide a unique viewpoint and role in what they provide um, in the healthcare spheres, it's really important to to educate the public. And I think that's something which hasn't been done well enough, um, be that in the form of campaigns or kind of advertisements in a way, for, for the public to more understand what, what a physician associate is, um, some aspects of their job roles because a lot of the time if you mention physician associates to a few patients who come in through clinic um, every now and then it's very few of them would really have a kind of good grasp on what a physician associate is um, even between doctors you know sometimes there is there is a bit of ignorance on on that regard and I think the, the public need to be better informed that um, you know that in the future they may see a physician associate and you know that's perfectly okay, and they're perfectly competent to do a job role that they've you know that they've worked hard for, and they've they've undergone the the relevant courses and exams. It's kind of getting across to patients. I introduce myself as hi, I'm James. I'm a physician associate. I can say it several times, and I still get called doctor at the end. Thank you, doctor. So. <laughs> oh God, yeah. It just doesn't mean anything to the to the average person on the street. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult, um, and like you say, there's even amongst doctors and nurses and midwives at the moment mm. there's a lot of misunderstanding and apprehension about the role so there certainly is a lot of PR and hearts and minds that we need to win over and you know that's why things need to change and it shouldn't be like it shouldn't fall on PA specifically to to be out there trying to prove themselves because let's face it you've uh, peers have done you know, undergraduate degree, they've gone and done two years of further training. You know, these, a lot of the times, are very qualified people um, doing their job role. Um, and then to have to go and out there and prove that kind of who they are 
and tell the public who they are on a kind of repetitive basis. I can imagine that would be quite arduous. And and it, 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 we need. that's why I say that we, need, we should get to a position where the public are better educated um, about what a physician associate is. And whether that's a government campaign, you know, something, I think it needs to be something which is centrally driven um, to, to be like, to, to, to highlight physician associates to the public. Uh, it's a term, it's in terms of numbers as well, like, where are we? We might have something like three or four thousand PAs at best guess. Maybe not even that many quite yet. That's including students that are at university courses. Yeah. And we churn out close to seven or eight thousand medical students a year. So we there's nowhere near that we're going to be on the same scale mm. of doing that. So it's yeah, it's it's however growing. you are growing quite uh, quite well and healthily. Um I think over you know over the past three or four years, the number of physician associate graduates has almost quadrupled. If I'm correct, oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it is growing healthily. I think eventually we get to the point where you will become be- better recognised. Um, and it's frustrating that it will take a little bit of time to get there. But you know, I hope it, it becomes a point where it reaches a number at which people kind of have to take notice, and you know, the public realises what a physician associate is in the same way that they go in and know what a nurse is, what a doctor is, what a physio is. Um, because you, it's, it's not fair for physician associates to, to be in this kind of limbo where they feel that they're not fully recognised and they completely understand that. Brilliant. Thank you. If anybody's heard what we've spoken about today and has any questions, could they get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. I'm quite active on social media. A lot of my content is dermatology focused, but you can find me on most social channels. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, even Instagram's probably the best way. I do check that on a daily basis. Then I'll, if you kind of message me through that um, or email me through it, that'd be fine as well. Perfect. And I'll leave the links to your social media channels in the show notes below so people can find them on their episode details. Thanks so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks, James, for having me. And thanks to you for listening as well. I hope you found that a really useful talk. I'll also link to Sina's publication in the show notes so that you can find it there and have a read through. If you'd like to, you can follow the PA podcast on social media. We're at PA Podcast UK. I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Physician Associate Podcast.